Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Word Horde, the podcast where we take a word or a phrase and we look at its meaning throughout history. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Grablowski, alongside our Lewis and Clark situational uh, hazard awareness <laughs> supervisor, Kyle Jones, into the linguistical West. Kyle, good morning, sir. Good morning, my friend. How you doing today? I'm alive and kicking. Uh, you sent me a text about uh, Tuesday or Wednesday how excited you were about um, th- today's podcast because we're talking about the circle versus the line. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was right. something about the yeah. Go. Why don't you? Why don't you take it from here? Because I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but you were absolutely pumped about it. Sure. So I'm. I, this is if this is a very good place. Just before you start, I just want to tell our audience, mm-hmm. um, if you guys haven't looked at our podcast before, um, this might be. Would this be fair to say, Kyle? This might be a good place to start because this is the beginning of a series of some kind. Yeah. Um, this might be a good place to to pick up if you haven't looked at anything else, like. Go for it from here, you know, and then go back and listen to everything else. Right. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, I think so, too. I, uh, <clears throat> for me, Josh, you know, what we we discussed this last week, there's always a rehashing. You, It's a, it's a, it's a collage of ideas uh, that I think when you get into a higher, and I, I don't mean it to, to, to tout what we're doing, but when you do get into a higher theology, a higher, a higher ideology or ideology, um, you have to look at things on a on a uh, how do I say a, a very multi dimensional sense at the same time. I don't think there's a, an easy way to to speak quote the word of God or at the word of God through a linear device unless uh, we discuss this line. Uh, the line of the Messiah. So I'm. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah. It it almost seems like it contradicts itself, but it doesn't. It's uh, uh it does fulfill its own self. It's what we call it fills in the the aporia, if you will, of um of its own questions and answers. So, <clears throat> but if um, what what we were discussing last week is is uh, Ouroboros, the, the 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 serpent that eats its own tail. You know, we're looking at um. Right. We're looking at uh, pretty much most of the Eastern religions have some kind of sense of, of of retribution, karma coming back as something. If you have done something in a retribution, uh, you are either a higher form uh, of existence when you come back, or you're in a lower form of existence. Um, uh, the the picture this of is the reincarnative idea that uh, is touted by many. Uh, those Eastern religions. So, like mm-hmm. you're saying, Hinduism, um, Buddhism. I imagine to a lesser extent would have that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it does. Okay. It does. Okay. Just, just want to, just, just want to be tracking. And you know, all, all of that is is bred out of you know a retributive justice, and we got to understand that that before there was Buddhism, by you know, founded by Siddhartha Gautama who came out of Hinduism. Hinduism is a very legalistic, ritualistic religion. Uh, the old Hinduism, which the old Hinduism came out of the Rig Veda. And so you have all of these epic tales of the gods and the Angira and, uh, you know, all of these um, angelic beings, if you will. Um, and the heroes that worked with them, uh, these gods and angels, uh, to overcome evil, 
their own evil and evil personified. So just a hodgepodge of, uh, of different stories and uh, of the gods and the heroes, the demigods. Uh, but it's always in a dualistic kind of sense. It's kind of in a, um, you know, you're going to fight some opposing idea. Now, in the end, uh, all is one and you are one and da-da-da. So there's just this mixed blend. And that oversteps the boundary, if you will, of meaning, um, both for us. And I do think um, it leads to a good theology. But if you're going to present the case for dualism, you have to stick with it. <clears throat> and that's not what the Bible ever, he never did. The Bible never taught dualism. Uh, the, the, the dualism is very much a Persian thing. Again, it's a very Eastern thing. So, and it's funny because you, you didn't catch me off guard on this, but I didn't know if I was going to approach it from the angle of line versus circle, but I'm glad you did bring it up because we will we'll discuss mm. it today. Um, so, it, just, just for our li- listeners that might not be clear of this, yeah. um, could you define, could you give a really like condensed version of what dualism is? Yes. And uh, yeah, that, so that, that way they're, they're, they're not uh, in the weeds, as it were, uh, if they haven't heard it before. Yeah, sure. On a simple level, dualism means that there is a good God <clears throat> and, a, and a bad deity or a, an evil God. <clears throat> and there's always a fighting or a vying for who is going to uh, capture the flag, if you will, over uh, good or evil, <laughs> you know? And that's it, period. I could just yeah, say, yeah. Um, past, I love that. You know, past, like the force. <clears throat> past that, if you take it to, to that serious theology or uh, ideology, uh, I, think it, it, I think it corkscrews the brain incorrectly. I think it, it makes one schizophrenic. Uh, and, and I don't mean mm. in the, the physical, the, the biological, biochemical sense, but for sure the, the spiritual sense. And that's probably even a bad term because we know schizophrenia has a lot, a, a different implication. But when I say schizo, I just mean to be split in that sense, in the technical sense. I got you. Um, yeah, because you're, you're viewing absolutes as there's an absolute truth and an absolute evil instead of yeah. the absolute truth and then the evil being the absence of that absolute truth. And, you know, I, I would say this. In, in, I know in times past we have discussed what evil was. <clears throat> evil is not mm. a, a, a thing that is an independent rogue agent. And I know that we, we, would, we would agree with that. Um, but it's it's uh, evil does mean unskillful. It does mean ugly. <clears throat> it also means uh, not able to conform to a normalcy that is needed to function. So when you get into the uh, the inability, ability, you're getting into the etymon of evil. So if you look that up, you'll you'll see that it just means unskillful, unable to fit. You could say ugly, uh, uncosmetic, which means. It's 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 uh, incapable of fitting into the cosmos uh, of your society. So th- that is evil. Mm-hmm. Now, what God said <coughs> is that I, the Lord, in Isaiah forty-five verse seven and following, I, the Lord, uh, create both good and evil for my own good pleasure. Now, that's the King James. I'll get to the Hebrew in a second. But we also find that in the Book of Job, we've been reading Job one and Job two. Where, uh, where yeah. Job said, you know, should I not accept God's uh, goodness and not accept his evil? You know, he said both good and evil come from God. So 
And we know that Job was an older book. It's the oldest book in the Bible, number one. And number two, that was a Mesopotamian lesson um, between what I do Mm. believe as mankind and the true God, Yahweh, before the Bible was written and before before Moses. So God's always existed. God's always expressed himself. Um, and quite frankly, uh, Dr. Benny Prasad, a friend of uh, Phil Kagi, who I've worked with, with Benny on on some, some uh, musical projects as well, he actually got a, a, an honorary doctorate for creating a, a very interesting type of guitar. Um, uh, interesting. Uh, but anyway, we, we talked uh, for, for days on end and out with uh, while we were doing a project with Phil Kagi um, about uh, the Rig Vita. And I'm going back to... The origin of that, he says that the in the Rig Veda. Now, this is Doctor Benny Prasad, uh, a, a very notable Indian uh, scholar and musician, as well. But he said that the Rig Veda says that yes, we indeed do uh, sacrifice as an entreaty between mankind and the gods. Whether you take that to be the Elohim, which of course is the Hebrew word for the councils and the God itself. He says, but, the Rig Vita says, but there will come a time when there will be that man who will fulfill these sacrifices and we will need, we will not need to do these sacrifices anymore. So that's in, yeah. that's in the Rig Vita and you're at least talking 1500 BC to if not 2000 and before. Now, hmm. when you get into uh, Gandhar uh, Tilak, a brilliant uh, uh, Hindu, quote, theologian. <clears throat> he was also a philosopher, uh, um, a mythologist, a folklorist. He believed 100 years ago that the origins of the Homeric tales were were Arctic uh, in their origin. And he believed that the, the stories of the angels or the Angira and the <clears throat> the Rig Veda were possibly from an Arctic source. So there's an argument, there's a northern idea of where all of this stuff comes from, and that this, uh, these uh, angels, this Angira, uh, that they brought the message of God to mankind that there will come a Messiah that will save us from our sins. Um, and this is a, 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 you know, these are things that preceded the Bible, you know, by it, well, should I say, but preceded Moses, the, the redactor, right. uh, the redactor of the Tanakh, uh, probably at least by 500 years, if not more than that. Um, so that's interesting, because when we're looking at Job, and you're talking about God being the author of good and the author of evil, and and we see that in, in, other, in other religious texts. Yeah. It seems a bit incongruous to me yeah. uh, to have God creating evil because that is something that we know. At, well, as Christians, we believe I should say uh, not to be true. God is is God the author of evil? Mm-hmm. Is that what you were saying? Or yeah, is- yeah. Well, it, it's interesting that he uh, not just the author. <laughs> he obviously, I my personal belief is that he he wrote. The, inc- the complete narration, uh, Romans 13, verse 1, uh, you know, all powers that be are ordained of God, uh, hypotasso, they're uh, established. But um, all powers, that doesn't just mean all archons or leaders of this world. It means literally everything. 
it means that that you know there are that the exousia um, or the existence of all of all things was ordained uh, by God. Um, and if you read through the entire litany of uh, of <clears throat> accounts of that in um, in Isaiah forty five, all the way through chapter uh, Isaiah forty eight, you're going to find that God is ex- is expressing that that before the world began, God already established it, lest you say you did anything uh, to brag. And indeed, God goes right back and says, counters that and says, well, before it happened, I established it, lest you should brag. But the, the and okay, so that would mean, well, if everything, what does everything mean? And so you could say the word ki alam, which means it can mean literally everything in the eternal sense, uh, all things were created by God for uh, God for Jesus uh, mm-hmm. and by Jesus, and that would be uh, in Colossians uh, chapter one verse eighteen or sixteen, excuse me, and following. But when we get into the word evil, once again, we have to get into the definition of what does evil mean from the English to the Hebrew. Now, before mm-hmm. before I answer that, please keep this on the, the mental coat hanger for me and for you, and please bring me back as my mind will go on out. I was asked this week. <clears throat> about why would if if the King James, which I don't believe is the inspired word of God, um, he asked me and he was kind of promoting King James. He says if if uh, by King James you mean the King James version of the Bible? Yeah, the King James version in sixteen eleven yeah. and yeah, <laughs> many people purport it pur- purport it to be the uh, the word of God as opposed to the actual autographs. Yes, which we, which we don't, which we don't have, but we have, you know, Hebrew and Greek copies of those things. Mm-hmm. So your your his question was, he was a King James supporter. <clears throat> By that you mean, mm-hmm. well, in in terms of the interpret, oh, well, the the translation uh, uh, to from the the Texas Receptus, he was using the actual received text and not the majority text as we have received later on in the past 150 years. And we have uh, Dr. Stephen Green, I think is his name, uh, to uh, and, and Dr. Dean Burgeon, who really attacked the majority text uh, for being uh, uh, gradations that were created uh, to uh, as, a, as a favoritism for verses uh, in the school of Alexandria. They were more of a, a high-bred school in Egypt um, that wanted to kind of Link the scripture and some of the passages with some of their uh, their philosophies. So uh, there is a a received a received redaction that does agree with itself from Turkey all the way to India. That did come first, was first, was in the early church, was quoted from by the early church um, martyrs in the first century. Uh, that is in agreement with what the uh, the seventy some scholars did translate. Uh, under the the uh, aegis of King James. Now, once again, King James uh, is uh, is another deal altogether. I uh, I don't have time to go into his personal life, but you you definitely don't want to hang out with a cat like that. Um, he uh, he had a lot of you know a lot of issues, and you can look that up for yourself as to what he was about in his history. I won't go there. I don't need to waste that time. But in terms of of uh, the the interpretations, excuse me, the translations by seven his, the seventy scholars that he hired, um, Erasmus being kind of the head of all of that. Um, it, you know, you have um, quite uh, a, a complementary uh, 
text of the Bible with the, that Jacobian or that James era. Uh, and I would say this, that Jacobian era was based uh, by and large on Shakespeare's works. And, and I will say mm. that, that Shakespeare uh, blessed us with bringing some 2,000 Latin and Greek terms to the table versus yeah. versus the Anglo-Saxon, which is is laden with verbal tenses that were due to the fates and the gods. And like we've discussed earlier, ought have, should have, could have, those were all fates names. Is if yeah. the fates would allow this ought to have happened, but it also means to be in debt to the fate. So when you're imbued by uh, uh, verbal tenses that actually lead to a, a nonce or chance idea of a fate, your brain will be skewed uh, it, over time. Just like, like I said, you know, we use that simple term nice. Well, nice means to be stupid. It means to have no science. Yep. And that was the Latin term, and it does still hold. that the, the gold of the bank behind the word nice means that. We have today, oh, he's pleasant and agreeable, or she's pleasant and agreeable. Well, guess what? Live with somebody who is pleasant and agreeable for the next 10 years, and they never argue with you. Well, you know what? You're not going to trust that person. Something is wrong with that person's brain, or you can't trust mm -hmm. them. So it, you put it to that litmus test. You put it to the test. You're going to find out that that doesn't hold uh, to, to the gold behind its meaning, and that's how I say, or why I say, um, that the etymologies are are so are so needed, and especially in a day like this. Now, real quickly, and I'll get back to the coat, the mental coat hanger of ra'ah or the evil. The rate, the what answer I gave this guy was, I think, the most in the. How do I say it? I think it's the most important approach you could take. I think it is an important approach to take if you are to read King James. We did we don't we don't live that in that era. The reference to the words, the verbiage that King James used in the Middle English with Shakespeare was important. Shakespeare was the greatest playwright in the world. You know it, I know it. You could you could argue Edmund Spencer, whatever, but but by no, and large no one would argue Edmund Spencer. Yeah. They're crazy if they do. But yeah, they were just multi multi-layered flower petals that, that that one would take an English mm. word or Shakespeare would and show its meaning and content and context and refer to it throughout the play. So every every sentence was a formula, a type of genius that just yep that just unfolded. And anybody who tries to read anything like the, the Twelfth Night to to even Hamlet's works or, or Macbeth, when I love Macbeth, it's my favorite work, uh, you're, you're mm. going to be at a total loss unless you're willing to understand that the layers of classical meaning uh, to these uh, these Latin and Greek That's borrowed so words. And so you're, yep. you've got, you're, you're using the shell of the Anglo-Saxon laden with the potential potentiality of the Greek and Latin behind it. So you've got that very Nordic sense and you've got that very specific scientific sense. The Nordic was more uh, figurative in its sense uh, uh, because we, we get it from the Germans and the Vikings and the Norse uh, who looked at things from a figuration of mythology. And then you get the classicism. So you're saying that Nordic layered approach is part of 
what makes Shakespeare great, and it translates over to the King James? No, what I'm saying is, no, I'm saying that by using Anglo-Saxon or English, same word basically, uh, Shakespeare delineated the Anglo-Saxon and the Norse meanings uh, by Latinizing and and Hellenizing the Anglo-Saxon into a new English altogether. Mm. So, so that so Jacobian, it's a beautiful literary work, but it's not necessarily a good scholastical tool at well, this point. I, I would say this. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I believe because because of specificity of the Greek and Latin, the more scientific, also the more classical sense, the references to the the classics such as Homer, uh, Plato, you know, etc. Um, which is which was used in the in the trivium taught to the first century Christians. You take all of that 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 potential that power, that dunamis of the classicists' verbiage, and you 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 imbue it. You put it into you infuse that into a more figurative um, Anglo-Saxon or uh, German. Uh, that that holds things more in terms of well the trees are are Odin's you know uh, legs or whatever you know what I'm saying you say so you're using you're using all the best of the best to exemplify uh, both a lat excuse me both a Greek uh, uh, New Testament and a Hebrew Old Testament so if you're willing and uh, to understand Shakespearean language. I think, and you have a good Shakespearean lexicon at least, you know, you can start, you could read the King James and get quite a bit out of it. And I would say, we, and I, my argument was that we have dumbed down, though we've gotten more, t- we're, we're more advanced with, you know, technology, our mm. our sense, our wisdom, as Paul said, will you, the world will increase with knowledge, with technology, basically, but it will lose its wisdom to discern it's so true. Um, it's so true. And, and where we want to be everything to be so literal, and we want everything surface level, so we can yes. clearly see what it is. And because Th- that we've lost the ability to look through the muck. Mm-hmm. That's right. So I, I would say that's the second best thing to do. Now I'm going to be quite frank with you. Uh, if you take that approach, man, what an education to give mm-hmm. your children. And as you're educating your children to educate yourself, if you're a homeschooler, go that route. And that's what my parents did. I love the King James. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and teach them for God's sakes. And I mean it in the best sense, teach them Hebrew Mm. and Greek. (laughs) Teach them. We've had Greek and Latin roots. We've had, I don't even believe in the, at at that point you just go for the Greek and the Hebrew. But what I'm saying is for (laughs) God's sakes, for God's sakes, we've had 2,000 years in Christendom to get it together to learn our Greek and Hebrew so mm. that we could have more have a proper uh, apologetic formed and a, a, a proper exegesis formed for God's you know, sakes. Kyle, everything's supposed to be super instant now. Now, yeah. now all we need is we just need to turn on the television or microwave our popcorn, you know. Yeah. <laughs> or just, no, I know. Yeah, it, it, that, that's that's the way of things now. So there's no need to you know delve into anything at any depth. Whatsoever. I know. I know. Well, anyway, <laughs> anyway. So let's. So anyway, back getting to, back to the coat hanger. Yeah, go for okay. it. Okay. Sorry. So let's go back and look at the word evil again. So 
evil is not a rogue force. It is not of its own exousia or its essay in the in the Greek Latin. Um, it is uh, a, a tool. And we were reading the book of Job, and we'll go back to that in the narration. I want to continue fully the book of Job because um, it it exemplifies uh, this this notion and the, this motion of what evil really means. So, and I say it in the Hebrew and Sumerian and Akkadian and Babylonian and Hebrew, yeah, Hebrew sense. <clears throat> Ra'ah was the name for the translation to evil. I believe that King James, the, the version, evil was understood more to be in the likeness of Ra'ah, which meant calamity. And of course, we have the J.R. Tolkienism, you catastrophe, which I know we've discussed, a well destruction, a well destruction upon the flesh. Look at the book of Job. The early Mesopotamians had the book of Eob, or the man of affliction who was the hero. And so Job was that guy who was an upright man, outstanding in all of his ways, upstanding in all of his ways, loved God. The Bible even says that, yeah. Yeah, of course, and I would hope to think I'm quoting at least. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. yeah, so, you know, and so he, when he was afflicted, and I'll go into the to the, the technicalities of it next week. He never cursed God in the first chapter, both in deed and by word. He was being sifted by the right hand of God, which was, believe it or not, the Satan. The Satan was the Eliad uh, or Eliadi, or he was the, the hand of God. He was, uh, Job was afflicted by God. In the second chapter, you see where Satan uh, starts to, uh, as Satan as an objective reality, starts to disappear. But you see his doctrine in his wife, in Job's wife, where J- Job's wife says, curse God and die since this God will not dispense to you riches. Well, that's the, one of the signposts for the offerings of the devil, d- diamidza in the Greek, in the Proto-Indo-European, which, mean, which means the distributor of fortunes. Now, I'm not communist, socialist, capitalist, in any sense other than a hard worker who tries to provide for his family, but that is the meaning for capitalism, to distribute fortunes. That's what it means, period. So in that sense, though this is a, has been a God-blessed society, the definition is there. Now, hmm. do I believe it cannot be applied in communism? Absolutely, because the archons in communism distribute the fortunes, however little or great they are. They are also demons or devils, so they can't escape from that same definition. <clears throat> but um, this whole idea of Ra'ah comes down to the story, the narration, that God has had a dialogue with the Satan whose nature is to go to and fro, grinding, sifting, destroying what it needs to, but under the authority of God, but at the manipulation of what it's been given. So the Satan can only do what it can do. I'm a drummer. I can only do this as a drummer. So I'm hired as a drummer to play this. Well, Satan sifts, and there you go. He was called the uh, the right-hand uh, of God, 
He was never given the power, as the English text says. He was given the hand to do the sifting to Job. And once again, what is the root of his name, Shut? Well, you see it in the Persian. The Shut were the FBI officers for the king, the Persian king, to try to trip up those people around the court of the king uh, if they were after the king or trying to kill the king or were against the king. They were highly technically uh, trained intellectual men Hmm. uh, who went around the court and they were called the Shut or the Hashut. That is the very name for this uh, Satan, Hashut. Uh, in uh, in the book of Job. <clears throat> and going to and fro was the word Mishut, which means literally, as his name is, he does. So that's this his... Is that's such, what, this is... Go on, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 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 go ahead. That's it. Well, this is such a perfect time for one of our uh, audience questions that w- was related to one of the previous episodes. Um, if, if, you have, if you have a second, because this is literally what we're talking about. And it's a good time. We have uh, Adam W. from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And he asks, Kyle, why would God let Satan have this casual dialogue with him if he knew he would cause so much trouble? Even more, you say God created him. Why bother doing that? And perhaps this is a good time to speak to that. Yeah, that's a a very good, great question. Uh, I've answered this in, in many different types of forums. Number one, God's word is revealed uh, through unreeling in time. <clears throat> the the answer of God is already established in uh, an infinite compression uh, that can't be measured. We, in time, needed time to understand things. Uh, as a baby, you are revealed certain things and your own objective reality. Um, and it's like what G.K. Chesterton said, uh, there's a beauty that both the heathen and the Christian have received, uh, such as the adornment of a tree and the patterns of the tree. Uh, and just say, looking at that or the, or the field, how the, the flower grows and the, the hmm. multi... So both the heathen and the Christian see the, the significance or the signing of that, well, the significance of that and what it, it offers objectively. But the heathen remains, if you will, and this is G.K. Chesterton's words, sad because he understood the word sad. He's fulfilled with that, but only that. So the word sad means satis in the Latin. G.K. knew that. He knew his Latin. So he remained filled up on the objectivity only, whereas the Christian goes to the loft, to the loft, the dome, the heaven, the lift, and the Christian looks at it from the perspective of this is an analogy or a, 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 a metaphor of something much greater than what we see in the objective reality. Now, let me, and I'm answering this question. So let's take the Hebrew. Are you ready for this one? Yeah, go for so it. You, so, and I'm answering this question. You look at the, the Hebrew language. It's always in the verbal notion. It's never in the objective, nominal, noun sense. So let's take the word tree, like I just said, right? Yeah, when yeah. You, look at, you look at the word tree, the word etz in Hebrew, etz is in the, uh, the uh, how do I say it, nominative, first plural, uh, first uh, singular sense in your Strong's Concordance. Well, that's a horrible injustice if you take the concordant uh, definition and just stick with that. 
Etz, in the Hebrew mind, always meant in the active sense, a tree is not just a tree with leaves. A tree stands firm, it branches out, and as we said, even in the Indo-European, it has root, stem, and branches, uh, which means the, it's where the word truth comes from, right? So you have root, stem, branches. The Hebrew mind, being verbal, says it's something that branches out from a strong root, and as a tree, it stands firm in its counsel. That was the Hebrew mind. So now, and, and literally, the ancient archaic Hebrew, the usage of the tree, moreover, went more for the idea of a counselor or, a, a, or an assembly of elders who stood firm in their rooted understanding uh, of, uh, of the words. So that, okay. that is exactly what the verbal notion, the verbal culture looked at as a tree. So now let's get really scary. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil could have very well been the counsel of the fallen Elohim or the fallen angels. When God says, do not take uh, the counsel, how about if I said that, of the tree of good and evil? Should I say, don't take the counsel of dichotomy of good and evil because we are ingenious. And I, God, and I, God alone, balance that under my power, not you. And what did the counsel, the Satan say, the Hashut say to Adam and Eve? You shall be as gods. You shall be as gods, yeah. And, and you shall be able to, ba to balance the good and the evil, and you, you shall attempt it, <laughs> put it that way, and you, but you mm. won't. So... That was that's what I'm getting. So let's go back. Well, what would God's purpose be in doing that? As Adam says, well, like, that's his. I, I'm getting. Uh, so what I'm trying to say is, you, you're not. You weren't brought up with that to understand that, were you? I'm that, just saying I was wasn't. A, that there was a. Uh, you're saying a, I wouldn't be. I, I wasn't you, brought up to believe that you, the. Tree you of were told a tree was actually angels. Yeah, I was told a literal. You, you were told tree. it was a, a tree. tree. Yes, right. you were told it's a literal tree. You, yes, you were told literal, it's, a, yeah. it's a literal tree, and you were told it's, mm -hmm. it's literal fruit, and no one yes. ever told you <laughs> that it wasn't an apple tree, and that the possibility of that being a sexual innuendo was altogether there as well. So there's so much more to it than, than what meets the eye in that objective sense. So the narration of coming to be is always in the dialogues, the narrations that God has to us. And I'll even say dialogue, his narration to us. I do believe he speaks to us and we are speaking in him to him. So in that sense, uh, 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 an ingenious dialogue or di dialogos. We are in the word, therefore we are in the genius. So in that sense, we have dialogue. That, so that's a different sense than what we would say. We're having dialogue. Well, I'm saying my opinion, and you're saying your opinion. That's not what dialogue means. <laughs> it means to hop into the logos or the genius of the thing and to speak in that. We don't have that anymore. So um, because we don't have a centered idea of what genius means, 
We don't even know how to right. define genius. We think it's a bunch of factoids that are memorized. Somebody who can know enough factoids and, and trivial uh, information, they must be genius. Has nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. I taught the quote, the boy genius. Uh, he is in the Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, is the highest IQ ever. Is a hypothetical IQ of 300, uh, 325, I think beyond that. Uh, Dr. Michael Carney, he was one of my students. Um, he was considered genius. He's a very smart kid. I love the kid. Uh, we had such a good time together hanging out. But he knew so much about trivia. Did he know about what I'm talking about? No. He knew a lot about a lot of things. He played Jeopardy, I think. He was on a Wheel of Fortune. Made a million off of that. Now he's retired. <laughs> he, uh, anyway, so I know what what we call genius as something different. Um, but in the sense of uh, of the narration of evil, God and Satan, you always you're seeing the setup for the evil that uh, that I would say is not evil in the English sense, but in the context of the motion of destruction. Right. <clears throat> now, in that in that nature, there was never dualism going on. Satan was given his. Uh, his apportionment, his participation, his ratio, his reason, his ration. Believe it or not, those are all etymologically the same word. And so by that, he was given at the hand of God his action to do. So God said in the book of Job, uh, all is given in your hand to do. The English gives it power. That was the most horrible translation, if you see it in the NIV, ASB, or King James. But uh, once again, I don't condemn the King James right now because we're looking at the King James in the context of a 21st century American who is looking at <laughs> a, you know, a 500-year-old right. text. So you can't even look at the King James in the same way anymore. So I'll give it to King James or the text the authorized version uh, under King James's Aegis. Uh, so that's fair. That's, uh, that's fair. Coming back so, to uh, uh, coming back to our coat hanger. I'm sorry. I, I'd want to get you back uh, to the to, well, to the central point of it because I know we're we're running low on time for this particular episode. But I'm sure we can come back to uh, some other stuff too. Well, yeah, and, and real quickly, and I'll let it go on on your on the the the, the, the young man's uh, <laughs> question, the query. You know, the 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 unreeling, real quickly, I'll let it go. The unreeling, the unfurling, quote, of meaning, and I will say the word, the drama, is the word trauma in Greek. Is the word dran in the Proto-Indo-European, all same word, and it means to unfurl the, the story. And the word story is the word historian, which means the inquiry to the thing. The word thing, tank, in Proto-Indo-European, and it meant the fully compressed meaning, but compressed. That needs to hmm. be drawn or drawn in the Proto-Indo-European, which means to be unfurled so that we in time can uh, comprehend, comprehend, to apprehend, to grab, to grasp. So... It is a beginning of an evil. We go, oh, evil, uh, destruction. And we, and as we read as a Hebrew, we understand that that destruction is at the hand of a sovereign God. 
Now, uh, I would like to hit the narration to even further the answer to the to that the man's uh, question, but. I think that the 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 not in the no, you, I, I think the you summarized it. Yeah, if you, if you you summarized it rather well right there, is that you're saying yeah. that there's there's a there's a purpose behind him that he we're able to look at God a little bit closer because that yeah. evil exists. If you had to our fallacy, it, would that be close? Our, our fallacy in America is that we have a dualistic approach as Christians. Hmm. Period. Yeah. And it's all it's under sovereignty there is no dualism. Yes. And I'll put a period on that one. So, yes. I love that. that <laughs> thank it. you so much. That was that's excellent. I hope Adam hopefully that answers your question and uh friends if you guys ever have questions for Kyle, um shoot him shoot him toward us cuz if uh yeah, if if you can, uh we'll be able to if we can, we'll be able to answer them uh if if they're pertinent to our lesson like they are right now because we're we're talking right now obviously about about the good and the evil. And, and the dichotomy yes. between those two things. So it's, it, and why dualism is crazy anyway. So it's a perfect time uh, that, for was that a, sort of question. Yeah. That was a fantastic, <laughs> fantastic question, God. Seriously. Uh, and uh, please uh, have, have, have more of those. And real quickly, just as a footnote, I just had an interview for an hour and four minutes with a, an actual, literal, first generation from Italy, Strega, which is a witch. Uh, a quote, good witch who was a Strix or a Strega and still is uh, a full, uh, and I let her talk. Most I didn't interject a whole lot there. <laughs> Just let her talk. Um, and there's yeah. lots of information from that. And we might even release a little bit of, of that conversation if that's okay with her later on. Uh, but what a tremendous uh, interview I just had. That's so, awesome. Was, I can't wait to hear that. So yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Kyle, it looks like we're going to have to come back to this next week if possible because we are unfortunately out of time. But man, uh, this is a great foundational point to get into this concept. And basically, you're just essentially you're ta- tearing down the dualism that is kind of plaguing our society. Is that, is that Amen. fair to say where we're going? Like, Amen. <laughs> I love it. Amen. Awesome, friends. Well, you guys, thank you so much for listening to Word Horde. Next week, uh, be sure to tune in because we're going to continue this conversation. And uh, maybe we'll even, yeah, Kyle, if we can get some of that interview and we, maybe we can get an unedited version of it and we can put a little bit of that on Absolutely. there if that's okay with her. That'd be fantastic to hear that. So you have anything Absolutely. else you want to plug? No, man, that's that's it. That's it. Um, just to say that uh, I, I, I love the idea of the story, the meaning, the genius and how mm-hmm. it unfurls uh, for uh, or unfurls for us children, and how that we grow up in this uh, genius correctly versus looking at things from a, a dichotomous split, good and evil bifurcation, mm-hmm. R- rather a, a singularity of genius that this God controls all calamity right. and all uh, all healing, and that takes you right out of dualism. Yeah, man. Amen. All right, yeah. friends. Well, uh, hopefully uh, hopefully this has been a, a great benefit to you. And be sure to tune in next Tuesday. We're here every Tuesday at 530 in the morning. Um, have your coffee in hand. Or if you're traveling on the interstate, hither and thither and yon. And uh, maybe someday we'll go into all where those origins are of those words. But if you like that, feel free to give us a message um, and uh, send in your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, ideas uh, to wordhoard at gmail.com. We love hearing about it. So. Thank you very much, Kyle. It was a pleasure, as always. Here, you, sir. Thank you. <laughs>